Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder, a really, really special one at that. And I'm so excited to bring on our special guest. But before we start today's episode, I want to take a minute to say thank you. Today's episode is all about community. And it's so important that I take a minute to thank the one right here. Your continued support and listening and sharing the podcast has really helped us to support so many of you in so many ways in just a few short months. I have one more thing I want to say thank you for, and that is the fact that this community has given me one of the greatest gifts I've received since leaving the first company that I founded last summer. As you know, I kicked off my big program earlier this month, and in doing so, Many of you came to me asking for ways to work with me one-on-one. Your belief in me is so appreciated. And from that, I have created three different options to work together to grow your personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, email, collaborations, and more. Just click the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Grab 30 minutes with me for a free consult. I'd love the chance to meet you, to get to know your brand, and hopefully to one day work with you. So on to today's episode. Today's episode is incredibly special for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, it is the first time we are having a male on as a guest. Yet Jamie Grayson isn't some white middle-aged man. And as many of you follow me know, I was very recently pitched by a white middle-aged man to be on the podcast. And the way he pitched himself was a huge turnoff. You'll have to look at my Instagram or my TikTok to check that out and why it didn't work. But this is not that case. And I totally digress. But um, Jamie has made a living out of bettering the lives of women and specifically moms. Um, He is the perfect first male guest to have on this show as he really and truly has dedicated his life to helping that of so many women around the country and really around the world. I was lucky and privileged to work with Jamie in a professional capacity for over a decade. And not only did we work together because, you know, Jamie is is also one of my dear friends and he's affectionately known as my work husband. But, um, you know, he is also the epitome of an entrepreneur who grew his business from nothing. He lives the life as a founder every single day. He's not afraid to embrace change. He makes pivots and he tries new things. He's also one of the kindest, gentlest souls on the planet, and he only wants to lift each other up around him along the way. We all have a lot to learn from Jamie, not only about running our own business, but about doing so with integrity, passion, true grit, and love. A little bit about Jamie before we dive in so that you can have his background for context. 
Jamie Grayson, formerly known as the Baby Guy NYC, spent four and a half years as a product demonstrator and personal shopper at Bye Bye Baby in Manhattan, as well as a year in New York City's top birth education center. Armed with an adopted angry baby, which if you follow him, you know is a doll with an angry face (laughs) and no filter, Jamie quickly became one of the most well-respected experts in the baby gear and child safety space for more than a decade. Now based in Denver, Colorado, Jamie's passionate about helping parents make decisions on the best baby gear for you and your family through honest and entertaining product testing reviews and parenting events, both virtually and in person. You should know that Jamie's social media accounts blend business and his personal life. Follow along for the best in baby gear, but stay for activism, foodie content, pop culture, fandom, theater, and more. What I love about Jamie is he is never apologizing for being himself. He shows up as himself. He speaks his mind. He speaks his truth. And he talks about what's passionate to him. He is the true epitome of someone who is influential on social media and who has developed an expertise by being so. Please come on in and meet my good friend, Jamie Grayson. All right. So today on the podcast is my work husband. I'm not going to say former. He will always be my work husband, (laughs) Jamie Grayson, otherwise known as the baby guy. And I have had the pleasure of watching Jamie grow up and growing up alongside of him for the last decade. I can honestly say that I have traveled more places with Jamie than I have my own husband. And it has been a true honor to not only get to know him in a working capacity, but He is one of my closest friends and probably one of the biggest things that I miss about being in the baby space. So Jamie Grayson, welcome to Dear Found Her. Hi. Thank you for being my first token male guest. Yeah. (laughs) And I really, I I truly mean everything that I say, you know that. And I want, I really want our listeners to hear your story. You have a fascinating story, which I could share without you being here but you definitely add more color than I do. So so I'd love for you to start us off by telling us how you got into what it is that you do and also what is it that you do? Um, Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, we've worked hand in hand for a decade. Like it's been wild and I'm sure we're gonna get to all of that. Um, But I am an actor by nature, I was on tour for years out of college. And then back in 2000, was it 2004, beginning of 2005, I got back to New York uh, when my tour closed and I was working in a costume shop and I was on my way to work and the train broke down. And this is way before people had like cell phones. Uh, So I was bored and there was a newspaper next to me and I picked it up and I read it. And it said, Bye Bye Baby is hiring actors to demonstrate product on the weekend, similar to a trade show. And I did not realize that Bye Bye Baby was directly across the street from the costume shop I was working at. And I've been working there for months and I'd never even seen it. So I went in and interviewed um, and, you know, it seemed decent, like they were going to pay a decent hourly rate. But I left and I was like, that store is three floors. That's too big. It's not going to be fun. That'll be terrible. And like, I love kids. I have sisters 20 years younger than me. Um, but I was like, that's going to be a horrible environment. So my job was almost up. I was running into like running, using my tour money 
And I called them back and, you know, it was like, is this job still available? I went in, they hired me just to demonstrate the Bugaboo Frog because it was right when the Bugaboo Frog came over from Amsterdam and it was on Sex in the City. So everybody was like, what is this stroller? It's very cute, but it's $800. So three days a week, all I did was talk about that stroller and a Peg Perigo high chair. And eventually I got bored learned everything in the store on my own, started doing like mass stroller demonstrations on the weekend and then started um, doing like personal shopper appointments for registries. And I developed this weird little reputation on all the chat boards in New York with all the moms like Urban Mommy and all that. And I started to get really get booked for registry appointments. And I would be booked three to four months in advance. Um, and I'm completely self-taught. Like at that time, there was no training at the store. They didn't do anything. So uh, I was there about four and a half years. And then I quit when it went very corporate. It felt it was a very different place to work. And then I worked at a birth education center in Manhattan for a year. And I was the only guy there. And that was just the best. That was, it was a very <laughs> hard year because they couldn't pay us. So it was basically like working for free because there was a lot of shenanigans going on. But I was the only man working with like all of these IBCLCs and doulas and, you know, taking childbirth classes and all of this. And to be around this like really cool, strong female energy, I really, really loved. Um, but I made it about a year there and I put in my notice because they couldn't pay us and I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and the day after I quit, I was in New York Magazine as the best baby gear expert in the city. And that was March 10th of 2010. And then I had no job, but I had a lot of emails. So then I started working with, you know, stroller companies and I would go to Bugaboo's headquarters and train them on all of their competitors globally and how they all worked. And I did that with several brands um, and slowly started figuring out how to survive because I had a very particular skill set like Liam Neeson and Taken. And uh, then our dear Kate Clark introduced us. And that was my very first like public paid speaking gig. And that led to 101 Garapaloozas. I don't know how many events with Nordstrom. Um, 24. 24. Okay. Like it led to a, a lot over, you know, 10 years of that. Um, and, you know, I've done probably around three or 400 speaking gigs globally on like baby gear and social media. Um, but Coco hit and had different plans for us all. Uh, so everything kind of went virtual and, you know, fingers crossed things are starting to slowly ramp back up in 2022. So. Do you think though that COVID showed you how you could make a living by, by not traveling as much. And by being, I know you like to travel. No. I know you like to get out and I'm not discounting that, but do you think that COVID and you being forced to stay home showed you how to innovate and, and really reach a lot more people by sitting in your house? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, luckily, and I know you're, you're the same way back when you were with bump club still, but it was, we, we always had a digital component to how we operated. If I did not have that, I don't know. It would have been such a weird, like, oh, we got to really push social right now. Um, but luckily, I was already saturated in that space. So doing all of it online 
presented its own set of challenges, namely just complete burnout of being on screens all day, because I do prefer being in person with people just by nature. That's who I am. Um, and social media can be such a horrifying place at times. Um, but yeah, the pivot, the pivot was real. Um, I think people who survived through the last, you know, particularly the last, you know, 18, 19, 20 months of the COVID situation, because it's still here. Um, the people who survived through that had to really think on their feet and be nimble and be adaptable. Um, and if you didn't, you aren't functioning anymore. So, I mean, you definitely have earned your name, the baby guy, which I know you don't go the baby guy as the baby guy anymore. And I want to clarify that because Jamie rebranded and is the Jamie Grayson instead, as you should be, because you talk about so many more things, not just baby, but I do want to kind of go back in time to when you were the baby guy, you have, you definitely earned your name yeah, for sure. But let's address something that I think everyone's probably asking or wondering, do you have kids? I do not. They're all plastic. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I think it's really important to point out the fact that you have created a career in a space that you care so deeply about. And that is educating women, families, helping children, keeping families safe. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it comes from a place inside and I want to point that out. And I want, I, I, I just, I want you to address really being in this space and not being a dad yeah. and, you know, and, and how that has kind of played out because you're so well known amongst moms. Every mom wants to be your friend. I, I just, I want to just share like Jamie and I went to Disneyland together on a day off one time when we were traveling together. And it was, I mean, really, it was like being with a celebrity. We were walking around Disneyland and all these moms knew Jamie. And I mean, it was crazy to me. Disney is a wild place for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I mean, to me, very crazy because, you know, I know Jamie's well known. I know, you know, I, we do, we did events together for, you know, for 10 years, but um, you are very well known amongst moms and amongst all of the baby manufacturers. And so I want you to talk about that because I think, you know, that is your differentiation point. Yeah. That's what, when I, when I was working at Bye Bye, I think that was a, a few things kind of set something inside me where I was like, something is very different. Like with what I'm doing here, like it, I'd worked retail a little bit, but like selling plaid shirts at Ada Bauer is not like a life altering experience, you know? So working at Bye Bye, I, I was aware pretty early on that I was like the little Southern gay friend that all these women wanted to chat with. And they would come into the store and they would just want to like gossip about things. But I also knew all this stuff about product because, you know, I would go to stores on my days off that were not Bye Bye. I would read everything I could um, online. I would watch videos and you know, I, I didn't, it's not like I don't like to be wrong. I will fully admit when I am wrong, but I needed to know all of this stuff in the industry. So I had a frame of reference when discussing stuff like pros and cons of all of it. So I don't come from it as a place of bias. Like I used this product and this is the best, and this is what you need. Like, yes, I have a lot of nieces and nephews. I've used a lot of baby products with my own family, with my friends, but I look at everything, um, kind of like on like, these scales. That's like, 
product and company ethics. And like the product has to be very good. The company, they have to be good people because if one or the other is kind of out of alignment, I'm, I don't touch it to be honest. Um, but it is a weird, you know, I, I, I look at this as I always, I always had very good teachers growing up. And like my grandfather was a teacher and principal of a high school. And I, I knew from dancing that eventually my knees would no longer want me to do anything. And I was like, I'll go teach high school theater. You know, I've always wanted to teach. And what I do now is like this perfect hybrid of my performance background and wanting to teach people. Um, and I, I view that as almost like my way of paying it back to the teachers I had and also coming from the family I did. I was raised by a single mother. We had no money, but we had this really good village of people that made sure we were okay. And the village component is so lost now with so many people because people are moving to more urban areas. They're waiting later in life to have kids. So whatever this village is, even if it's virtual, like I take my community very, very, very seriously. And I know, you know, you felt the same. Um, and it's, it's, a, I, it's like the Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility, you know, and I take very seriously the information I put on my platforms. Well, I was just going to say, it's not just your community you take very seriously. You very much take the the well-being of your community very seriously. And you don't ever compromise safety or health and wellness, or you would never, you would never take, I know you would never take money from a brand to pay your bills. If you thought that it was a brand that was not going to be beneficial mm -hmm. to your community. And I know that that's, and I know you say no all the time to brands. And yeah. I think, you know, that is definitely what has put you to where you are today. But I think, you know, the other thing too, that I want, want to ask you is when did you re realize that you could actually make money doing this? And when did you realize that you wanted to do money to make money doing this and you wanted to make this your career? Um, I would say one of the things when I was still at Bye Bye, I would need a break. And so I would leave the store for, you know, two or three months and go do a show. You know, so I remember one time I was off doing, I want to say hairspray at the time. And I was in the dressing room and I was like going through my Facebook messages. And this is before brands really had Facebook pages. Like, but we both kind of started right as Facebook was allowing that. Yeah. Which was great. Um, but I got messages from strangers on Facebook and they were like, you don't know us, but you helped our friends at Bye Bye and everybody's on Facebook. So we found you here and we need help with this. And I was like, something is very different about my, my retail job right now, because I never look up retail employees privately to get their opinion. So that was kind of number one. Then when I worked at the birth education center, I remember specifically, there was one woman who came in like two days postpartum, ragged, tired. You could tell she like puffy, like no sleep. And I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm here for the lactation clinic. I'm like, it's in the back. Like we got you. She's like, I, it doesn't work. I'm not working. Like my body is not right. And I just hugged her and she started crying. And she's like, why are you hugging me? My husband will not even touch me right now. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like go in the back. Susan Berger was the lactation consultant that was there that day. 
Um, and she used to work with the Peace Corps. She's like a rad lady. Um, but she went in the back. Three hours later, she came back out of that room and she was like, I got it. And to be a part of that, like A to B with people realizing with support and with education and just like a little bit of like empathy as a human, you can make a drastic difference. That was the best. That was the best thing about working there. I absolutely loved it. Um, and so then when I realized like speaking, like I remember the first gear Palooza I did with you and I was like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. I am nervous out of my mind. I, people had paid to see me in plays. That's, Great. I'm good with that. But this is the first time that people were paying to hear me speak. And I was like, I have to like, not mess this up. Um, but the response was great. The response to that event was great. And it well, obviously, going. I mean, we went on to do a hundred more. hundred. So. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what I love. And it's like the, the education component, it just feels very natural to me. Um, because as you know, you can have all the information in the world in your head, but if you're not equipped to speak, like it, it's not, it's not fun to watch. It's not engaging. It's, you don't want to listen to it. Um, so that I do think, thankfully with my theater training, it helps. So I think, you know, like many entrepreneurs, you didn't have a plan. That's no. very clear. And that's really, no. I, I really, I, I really, that's. A very big, you know, that's one of the many reasons I wanted to bring you on here because I think you are the epitome of an entrepreneur who has made it, who has made it very successfully. And this was really sort of on accident. I mean, you answered an ad in the Village Voice to help supplement your income, and you ended up creating a lifelong career in a space where you probably never even imagined in your wildest never. dreams that you would be. So here you are, you know, you can make money. You know, you are an expert at all of this stuff. You've been named by New York magazine as the best baby gear guru. So how do you start making money? What, what is it? What do you start doing? Um, the first, the first step when I was fully unemployed and this was, um, I was collecting unemployment at the time and I'd never had to do that. You know, I was, very lucky as an actor, I was always employed. So I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, okay, I have to collect unemployment right now. Like whatever. Um, it's New York. Everybody does it. That's what it's there for, you know? So I did that. And then I did start working with these manufacturers and going to their headquarters and then was connected to you. Then the next year we did two of those. Um, and then I was working on a couple different like retainer projects with different people, you know, whatever. How did you know what to charge or like, how did you know? I still don't. I know. And that's, that's why that's, I, want, I that's, wanted to ask you that. It is the knowing your worth and what to charge is one of the hardest things about this whole space. But it's not just your space, it's any space. Yeah, and any that's space, why I wanted anything. to ask that. Like when you're um, working on your own, you just don't know and you kind of have to take a shot at it. You just you just guess. And like sometimes I'm undercharging way below what I should be charging. Sometimes I'm charging too much. It's on a sliding scale. You know, we can talk about that, but it's, you know, I started doing all of these speaking events because I was like, this is a, at least I can have a calendar year of where this revenue is coming in, you know? Um, and I just wait, let me interrupt really quick. because yeah. I want to just give some background to the people who are listening who might not know. So Jamie and I started doing these speaking events together. We did one the first year two the second year. I think we did 
2013 was when we did five or six. I had my mm-hmm. baby that year and I didn't even get to go to all of them, my second baby. And then the next year we did 12. We did 12. And then the next year, I think we did 15 yeah. and or 19 even. We did we did a ton. And I know we scaled back at one point because it got to be too many. And then within that, Jamie and I also started doing a series with Nordstrom. So the weekends, like in between, like we would do Girapaloozas during the week all over the country. And then on the weekend, we would go to different Nordstroms around the country. To We created a program for them where... It was an educational program that Jamie spoke at and I spoke at and we had brands involved and we brought the bump club community into Nordstrom to basically help them buy their baby products. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this to, I just want to bring this up because what Jamie's talking about is by doing these events, he knew how many events he was going to have and he was able to plan his other stuff with manufacturers and other speaking engagements around that schedule that we had. Yes. And I mean, at one point, you know, because the speaking gigs were my primary source of revenue, I was doing 45, 49, 50 gigs a year, which is wildly exhausting and mentally and emotionally taxing, uh, even though I loved it. Like I loved it, but like I was home for two days at a time and I couldn't see my friends. I certainly wasn't dating. Like, you know, it, it took its toll in other ways, but at the time I was like, this is what I need to do right now to establish this. And I, I knew that going in. So then with social, I was doing all of my social media for free. Every review I did, all the videos, all the giveaways, everything. And everybody was like, why aren't you charging for any of this? And I was like, well, I'll try. So then I hired my sister and she came in and we figured out social media monetization um, and laid the framework. But I want to interrupt you because you said something key there. I got help. We figured you, you got help and we figured it out. Both of those things Yeah. because a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business owners think that they need to know what they're doing. Most of us don't. No, it's, if you, I still don't have a business plan. I know what I do. I know how I operate. I know my role in this space. I'm able to adapt to everything. I think if I had a very strict, rigid business plan, I would be scared to try other things. And especially with COVID and especially with everything adapting virtually and like retail in such a precarious situation, like I, you have to be able to try a lot of different stuff. you like, you know, throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. Um, so we go back to what happened when you brought Jennifer on, how did that impact your business? Um, well, I am, I wouldn't say I'm like, uh, I definitely am not a micromanager, but like, I remember the first time I made her an admin on my Facebook page, I full body sweat because somebody else had access to my stuff, you know, and I'm like, all right, she's going to be able to go in there and put post stuff and like respond to people. I, my hands are sweaty thinking about it and now it's all fine, but brought Jennifer in and Jennifer is completely self-taught in like marketing and all of this stuff. Like she's a very, very, very bright woman. And she has a very different set of skills than I do. I can't do what she does. So I brought her in. She figured out my social media platform in terms of charging and what we were doing. And then we did that. And, you know, she worked with me for years and we started like the box company and 
You know, I wa- was- what I, I want you to say, you, you also said something else that I think is so important that Jennifer has different skills than you. What are the things that you think that you do well? And what are the things that you think that Jennifer did well to complement what you were doing? She, one of the things that I've never loved talking about with people, especially people I consider friends in this space is money. And to take somebody out of myself out of that conversation and be like, you have, you have to talk about the financials with brands. I, I can't do that. It's not my place. Because you became good friends with a lot of the brands with and everybody. a lot of the people. Yes. And, and that's how the baby industry is. And like, it's a wonderful thing that we're all so close, but it's like, I don't want to like talk about this and nickel and dime everybody and deal with all of this. Now, now it's very different because I do, you know, I do all of my bookkeeping now and it's wonderful. I, my bookkeeper during COVID let all of her clients go because she was so overwhelmed with kids at home and all of this, but she walked me through all the QuickBooks. I do it all by myself now. And it has taught me so much more about my company because I'm more aware of like income streams and what's coming in and what's going out. And like, I'm you're very, aware of very, your business. I'm so happy. I do that for myself now. Um, and it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I'm um, happy you do that too. It's great. It's great. I think it's so good for you. Yes. Like it has changed how I operate. Um, but Jennifer was very good at like the, that component of it. And I'm, I'm good at presenting information out and getting the information out there to people. I am, I, I have built a company I cannot sell. Like we, we just had a company write us and like, Hey, we want to like buy your Facebook page. It's very, very engaged. You're awesome. And they wanted all these numbers from us. And I was like, before I give you any of my financials, I want to get on a call because if I I cannot sell myself, like, what are you planning on doing with this platform? Your company is you. Is me. So, you know, if they were going to go into the parenting space and have me, you know, come on board with something like that, we were going to discuss it, but they were like, no, we're good. And I'm like, you just wanted my audience. I don't sell that. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. If anyone were to buy your audience anyway... Without you involved, it it's not going to be. It's not going to work. It would so you know, and I and I do want to go back to something you just said also about, um, you know, talking to talking with close contacts about financials and whatnot. And I want to bring up the point that Jamie and I, as we got closer over the years, we didn't even negotiate our contracts mm-hmm. together. Jamie and I used to have our attorneys do it and then come back to us because 
we were such good friends. We traveled together and we never wanted to impact that relationship. And it never did. No, you know, and when I sold Bump Club, that was a, a huge weight lifted off me because I didn't have to deal with any of that anymore and or even be concerned about it. Um, you know, and of course, I wanted to make sure Jamie was taken care of, but I didn't have to get involved in any of those conversations. Yeah. And so it never impacted or we never let it impact our amazing friendship. And um, I think it's important to note that because you and I knew that and you knew that when you brought in Jennifer too, that it was good. That was a good idea to have her be the gatekeeper. And I think it's important for people to hear that, that it's okay to have someone else help with those things, especially if it's going to preserve relationships in the long run. And you also, it is impossible to do everything by yourself. And, you know, in college, when I was in like, you know, school for acting and all of this, one of the things that stuck with me in my business of theater class by my late Dr. Schollenberger um, is that as an actor, you are a corporation of one. You're in charge of your own path in this space. Like you have to do the work. You have to make it happen. You have to network. You have to do all of this in that. I have no business training whatsoever, but that is how I navigate all of this. It's like when I go to trade shows, it's a social thing. First, we talk business later. Like to me, the the friendships that I have, the relationships are paramount to any business that would adapt. The business component will never supersede my relationships in this space. And I want to say though, that 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 makes you stand out in so many ways because it is your personal relationships first. It is being a friend first. And that, that doesn't waver with you ever. And, but what has happened because of that is you have these amazing relationships and people think of you first because they want to support their friend, the person who they believe in and who they trust. And, and that's how I've always felt about it. And so, you know, I think it's so important to say that because relationships are so important. And a lot, you know, even though you're no longer with, you know, Bump Club, I've watched, we we have built symbiotically over a decade because we both did very different things. And one of the things I would always tell you is like, there's all these other parenting groups out there. Some I worked with, some I didn't. But the one thing that everybody would always come back to is working with Lindsay. She's respectful. She does her job well. She's organized. Like this is, it's not oh, we're just here to like take your money and blah, 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 do nothing with it. Like both of us cared very, very deeply. And so then it was like having us together. I mean, now that we're friends, it's very, you know, very different, but it was like, it just felt right. Like it was a, a partnership. I, I would not have done that for 10 years with anyone else. And neither would I. Like, and, you know, but I also think that what you just said is really important too, is that, you know, the, the business part, it, it comes, it it will come if you, if you curate and if you respect, and if you work hard in these relationships that you build, the business will come. And oftentimes it's like that hard work up front to become friends and, and nurture those relationships. And sometimes you have to do things for free and sometimes, and that's okay because what ends up happening is over time, you see the residuals of that hard work because people think of you and they want to work with you because you're a good person. And, yeah. and it's not it's not some um, 
crazy strategy. It's just you being you, right? And me being me. And that's how we work. And that's why we were successful and we still are successful. I mean, that's how I'm operating my new business. It's no different. You know, I mean, it's no different at all. And I relationships and community first and the mm-hmm. business follows. And that's, 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 that's in our mission statement on my side. It says human being first business second. And, you know, I think especially for those of us who are entrepreneurs and own our own companies, if you don't operate at that level, if you go into this, like, of course, we need to make money. Of course, we need to pay our bills. We need to pay employees when we have them. But if you go into any new business, just thinking of it as like, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money with this. Okay. Who cares? Like, Well, and also your reputation is, is supersedes you, you know, I mean, it's, if you have the reputation of being a kind, decent, respectful, hardworking human being, oftentimes people will take a chance on you. Mm -hmm. And the thing is like, and it is, I, I remember when I, when I lost my job, I was scared out of my mind, scared. I was like, I'm not really doing theater right now. Like, what am I going to do? And like, you know, McLaren reached out to me. And they were like, hey, this opportunity popped up. We can get you on Martha Stewart. And I was like, oh, rad. So I did the Martha Stewart show. And I was like her guest on her baby shower episode. I had a 15-minute segment with Martha. 15, And this is back when I had like 2,000 Facebook followers. Like it was brand new. And I was so nervous because growing up, you know, again, we had no money, but we always had a Martha Stewart magazine. (laughs) My mom always wanted that there. And so the night before I was like, I am so nervous. I'm about to go film Martha Stewart. And a mom on Facebook was like, if you're on Martha, she approved you. And that set everything very differently. And Martha was so wonderful. Um, They wanted me back immediately to do more baby segments, but then they ended up canceling your show. Um, But even doing Martha, I was still unemployed. They, and Martha Stewart, today's show sends cars. Martha Stewart did not. So my very broke self had to get a car to, I I actually took a train to the show and then I had to get all of that stuff back to my apartment. And like, you know, Ellen from Skip Hop was there. A couple of people from Phil and Ted's were there. Like all of these people came to the show and like sat in the green room with me. And I was like, okay, great. I'm going to have to spend like 40 or $50 to get back to my apartment right now with all of this stuff. And like, I was just on Martha Stewart. Okay, great. And you bring up a good point though, because I think a lot of people on the outside see something like that, see you in New York magazine, you know, the today show came later. So that was, you were probably in a little bit of a different financial space when you did today show, but they see that and they don't, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I think it's so quick to judge and to say, oh my God, this person's killing it. They're doing amazing. But you know what probably you, you happened? You were just that getting week? your sea legs. I literally probably that week, because this happened more than once, forgot to file my unemployment. And I'd be like, oh, I literally have no money until next week. And that was just like, and I have no shame about admitting any of that because it taught me so much. Like living on unemployment when you're 30 is like, okay, I got to figure something out, you know? But if I had not done that, and I'd also like, you know, at that point gone through a horrible breakup because 
he was like, you're not happy with your job. Cause I was still at bye-bye at this time. and like kind of nab stuff. He's like, you're not happy anymore. Like I can't be with someone who's not happy. And that was kind of like this fire under me that was like, I got to change some shit right now. You know, I want to go back really briefly. And because I think this is important too, about how you set the stage for your future. And you mentioned at the top of the interview that about working at the birth center and how pivotal and important that was. And I do think there are, there are moments in time as an entrepreneur, as new business owners, where you sometimes have to do things for free in order to set the stage for what's to come. And I do feel that that was a very pivotal moment for you where you worked for basically nothing, really nothing. And, (laughs) and, but what you learned there was invaluable for what happened later. So talk a little bit about that. Um, So this, this particular spot, um, it was like the best place in New York to take childbirth classes. Like it was the best in the city. No question. There was a retail component. They brought me in because it was two different women who ran it. Erica ran the education and someone who shall not be named, named the re- ran the retail. And Erica, wonderful, exceptional lady, great. She's got a great book, The Big Book of Birth. Um, but the other lady, she brought me in to help flip the retail and how they were working. So I was going for making, you know, at the time, what, what I thought was an incredible amount of money. I was making $30 an hour at Bye Bye Baby making my own hours because I was so booked with registries. And I was like, this is great. Like, get it done. Um, you know, I'm like 29 living in New York and it was fun. Then I go to this place and they started me, I want to say at 14 or $15 an hour. And I was like, well, that's already a drastic pay cut, but something tells me I need to be here. I knew in my gut, I was supposed to be working there. Um, so it was very frustrating. I worked sometimes seven days a week. Um, there were nights I would be out in Midtown with my friends and be like, I have to open the store at seven for childbirth classes. And I would open the gate and go back in and shut it and go down to the massage room and sleep on the massage table at night in the all night, wake up, freshen my face up, go get a coffee and come back and like open it up for shenanigans and like learning about contractions. Um, but it was that it, it taught me so much because I also went through all these childbirth classes and I went through all these breastfeeding classes and um, it was something just kept telling me to like keep pushing forward with this and keep going and keep going and keep going. And I don't know what it was, but it was like deep within my gut. Um, so then Erica brought me in the day before I put in my notice and she's like, Jamie, it's bad. We like can't pay anyone. We're going to have to really take you down hourly again. So what you need to do to collect unemployment is tell us that you cannot work at that. That's not livable and just put in your notice. And I was like, thank you. I've never had to claim and I didn't want to mess it up. So then the next morning they brought me in and they were like, we have to take you down to $8 an hour. And I was like, I can't live on that. This is my notice. The next day was the article. So it was. And I know that a lot of the knowledge that you gained there, just from hearing you talk 150 days, if not more, I know a lot of the knowledge that you gained in that experience, you later used for your talks with parents and both publicly on Instagram, on Facebook, over DMs. It is not every day that a gay male can talk about 
how to push a baby out or I, how I was, to breastfeed I mean, your baby. You know, I was my sister's birth doula with my nephew. Like I, I am well-versed in that space. And I mean, but you, you just, you have supported women always yeah. and you continue, you continue to do so. So, you know, I think we've talked a lot about kind of how you got here. I'd like for you to share with us now, like where is here right now? What, what is Jamie Grayson right now? Where has this all taken you? <laughs> um, Jamie Grayson is currently still unpacked in a new apartment. Um, but I'm in Denver now. I've been here almost six years, which is wild. It doesn't feel like it at all because I was still traveling for the first few years. And the last two years certainly don't count. Um, but yeah, I've been here almost six years. I moved into a new apartment right at the end of July. Uh, and my apartment, I've always had a struggle with all of these strollers and car seats that I get in the mail and like <clears throat> storing them and all of this. Um, so now uh, in 2022, we are going to open a showroom and it's not a, it's not a retail location necessarily. You can't just walk in it's appointment only, but we are looking at this to be a very education driven space where we can walk you through car seat details and strollers and baby carriers and high chairs and things that you need to touch really and see how they operate before you just like order them. So they'll be able to order through us or through, you know, retail partners or directly from the brands. Um, but I'm excited. And it's kind of like a full circle situation without the chaos of retail involved necessarily. Well, it is um, full circle because, I mean, when we started Gearapalooza, the whole point of Gearapalooza was to support small businesses. And I want to point that out because, you know, that's where... I started and really got my love for supporting small business mm -hmm. was with Garapalooza. And every stop we went on with Garapalooza, we partnered with a local baby retailer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jamie and I were adamant for many, many years that we not involve any big retailer. And when Nordstrom approached me for us to come do, you know, something in their store, they initially said, we want to own Garapalooza. And I said, no, I said, we won't do that. We won't take that away from our small retailers, but we can create you a custom program instead, which we did. And so I love that you really have taken this full circle because there is no retailer in Denver. There's, and nothing. There, there's nowhere for moms and dads and families to come and touch and feel. And you and I both feel so strongly that people need to touch and feel and test out and really get educated on their products. So I commend you so much for really taking this leap and making this a reality because I, I do, I do believe that you're going to be so successful that you're going to end up having to do this in other cities. I do. Well, I just, I'm excited because it's, you know, even though I started at Bye Bye, you know, I have so many friends who own independent baby stores or like what's left of them, sadly, you know, and even though I do things like I do work with Amazon stuff, I do work with other things like at my core, I'm very, 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 very supportive of small brands and small retailers and small companies because there have been times I've put a post up and it's funded a company, you know, and to be a part of that is- Where's your social media at these days for people who don't know you who are listening, which there are probably a lot. So I want, yeah. I want them to kind of, I, I want you to share where your social media is at because it is important for people to understand really and truly how big you are in the baby space. You are um, like it in the baby space. My, my Instagram, I'm 
right around 120,000 followers. Facebook is around 277,000 followers. I know, I know we, and I'm kind of getting off track, but I want to, I want to ask you this. Like, I know that we have seen a lot of shifts in the parenting space, especially in the way that people not just, you know, consume products, but their social media consumption as well. And, you know, I would love for you to talk about kind of how you had to stay on that and make changes. And I know you're on TikTok now and what are you doing to continue to maintain this audience of new parents because they're changing every day. It, and it's hard. That is one of the hardest things is customer acquisition because you have a very small window to grab people. And I do have people who have followed me for a long time and they let me know this. And I love, I love the people who've been around because they also get how I operate. Like I'm very particular. Um, but it really is just keeping the content going out. And one of the things that always it, it's very frustrating, you know, because there's in this influencer culture that we live in, which I don't love. I, when people call me an influencer, I hate it. I don't think you, I don't call like, you an influencer. I, I would call you influential and that's, I, you were influential in the baby and parenting space. Yes, I have and influence that is, because of my expertise in this space. Like correct. I've been doing this 17 years and, you know, the, 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 there, there are good influencers. There are bad influencers. There are good experts. There are bad experts. There's a cross, there's a gamut across every field, but I will never be like one of these people taking beige tinted photos in a floppy hat in a field with my stroller and my children. Like, this is just not how I operate. And I think I'm a little bit more real than that. And, you know, it's like in my email signature, I am like the mayor and hot mess of the baby industry. Um, I'm not everyone's taste. I'm fine with that. Not everyone is my taste either. Um, but it is, it's a wild, it's a, it's such a weird industry. But how, but how do you know when you need to kind of make a change and like do something like go on TikTok or pull back from Facebook and focus more on Instagram? I mean, like, like, how do you make those decisions? Because I, I mean, I know you and I have had so many conversations at yeah. nauseum about how to capture expectant parents because it's changed so much over the last decade. Yeah. And, you know, and so how do you know, and do, is it just a trial and error? Is it, it just is trial and error? It's all trial and error. Absolutely. And I think that's the only way you can really figure out how social media works because there are courses you can take and there are people who are experts in social media, but social media is like, malleable. It is always changing. There are things you won't even know. People don't even really understand what an algorithm is. And they're like, oh, this is how the algorithm works. There are things you can do to tweak. But the <laughs> algorithm is specifically based on the user's behavior. You build your own algorithm into their algorithm platform. So if you're not inter interacting with a page, if you're not engaging with their content, you're not going to see it anymore. I think that's what people really need to understand. If you want to see something in your feed, you have to engage with that person. Now, when it goes to TikTok, obviously, as we are apparently somehow staying the same age, but getting older, um, parents are getting younger. You know, they're a decade or two behind us now. So TikTok is a very young platform. It is right now really the only platform with good organic growth. Um, the other platforms are exceedingly difficult to grow on. Um, 
And I don't use TikTok as much as I should. I really, 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 really have to get better about it, but it is. I know I I have a TikTok. I've put up a couple and I know I should be doing like one a day to your point, but it's, it takes so much time and it's like so much work and it's so much work. (laughs) Yeah. And there are ways you can like multipurpose all these videos. Like I basically will build one on Instagram. Now the Instagram reels are a minute long and then you can multipurpose that, but the songs aren't always the same. The songs don't always work. Do you think it's better to, to take an Instagram reel and put it on TikTok or take a TikTok and put it on Instagram? Or do you not think it matters? Well, what I am a monster, Instagram does nothing but crash on me whenever I build reels. So I use an outside app um, to actually edit all of my videos together that I prefer and then I upload it natively directly to Instagram and then directly to TikTok. And sometimes you have to make edits just based on music and, yeah. or sometimes you just also don't care. Um, but it's, there are a lot. And like the, you know, the, the gods of meta, whatever Zach's calling it now, uh, they've come out and said, if there's a TikTok logo in the video, they really don't distribute it as well on Instagram or Facebook. And now Facebook has reels, but the interface is terrible and it's really short. And like, it's, I, I like specific platforms for specific things and Facebook somehow I, my reach right now on Facebook is 20 million. And I don't know how I have really maintained Facebook when it is such a dying platform for right, a lot of people. Right, because so many of the parents and the and the young parents especially are not as much on Facebook mm-hmm. anymore. I, I agree with you, but. but somehow, somehow my Facebook audience is still my biggest and most engaged platform for some things. You know, you have right. to know what works on every platform. So you have your retail space coming, your social mm-hmm. media is thriving. Is there anything else that we should know about what you have going on coming up? What are you hoping for as you look to next year? I, I hope, I mean, I, I don't think COVID is going away anytime soon. I hope as a society, we, oh, hi, Ice Maker. Um, I hope we understand that and we learn how to navigate this better and take care of ourselves and each other first. Um, because it has been a hellish two years, um, especially living alone during all of this. Like that's a whole other podcast, loneliness (laughs) in the beginning of Coco. Um, but I mean, hope I miss, I miss travel. I miss trade shows. I miss seeing people and, you know, I'm about to go, you know, by the time this airs, I will have already gone, but you know, on another trip. And I'm like, this is my first time back to New York in two years, basically. And I, this is the longest I've been out of New York in over two decades. I've never not been in the city. And so I'm very excited. Like I booked my flight and I started sobbing. I was texting my friends. I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Like, I can't believe it. But in terms of like 2022, I, I do hope travel that happens. I think any kind of, we're going to do 20 shows this year. I don't think that's smart. Um, we have to be slow and take baby steps back into this to figure out what works and how to keep ourselves and everyone else safe and be responsible. Um, I do hopefully have some trade shows coming up, which would be wonderful. I do miss a trade show now that I'm on the board of ABC, which is very fun. Um, but it it would just be nice to see people again. I miss, I think we we've had two years of not a lot of human contact. 
in an industry where is it's based on human contact truly. So my last question for you is really what I've been ending all of these interviews with. And I would love for you to share maybe two or three things that you would tell someone who is starting out on their own, a business, whether it's product-based service-based, what advice would you give them? Don't be afraid to fail. That's number one. Um, I, you mess up a lot. You don't know what you're doing. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And even if it's help in a way that you're not necessarily bringing them on as an employee or something like that, like get help, surround yourself with very supportive and smart people. Like my, my best friend, Brian, you know, who you met in Brooklyn, you know, I've known him since 97. And back when I was like really struggling financially and like figuring this baby stuff out, he was very public in his support. And he was like, Jamie's onto something. And he was the first one that ever said that. He was like, Jamie's onto something here. We don't know what this is yet, but you have to watch out. And without that kind of support, without like that network, I, I don't know, you, you're going to mess up. You need to have people to fall back on. Um, and don't be afraid to adapt. Adapting is key. You can't be set in your ways. We don't live in that space now. We never have. And I mean, really and truly, it's one of the hundred reasons why I wanted you on here is because you are the king of adaption and you really and truly have taken this business that you started by working in the stroller pit, a bye-bye baby in Chelsea, and you have adapted it a hundred times over to become the voice in the baby space that everyone goes to for education, for information, for resources. You know, obviously as someone who had a company in the baby space, we hired you to come be that voice because of your expertise. So I want to say thank you so much, Jamie Grayson, the Jamie Grayson for being here. Um, really and truly, I miss you so much. I miss, yeah. I miss our meals. I miss we our need a, we drinks. Need, next time I'm in Chicago, we need to have like a good lobby wine. Absolutely. It's I miss been our too lobby, long wine. lobby wine. I mean, I miss, I, I miss running into you at airports because that often happened. No. Often happened. And where we, we would not would even be traveling together. And, and we would run like, into each wait, other. What airport are you at right now? Boop, boop, boop. But I do miss you so much. And I'm so thankful and grateful that you were willing to come on and share your story. I know there are so many people who are listening right now who will benefit from this. So make sure you follow Jamie at the Jamie Grayson. It will be linked in the show notes on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. I will link as well as I post about this. Um, And if you are a new parent, an expecting parent, a parent with toddlers, a parent with bigger kids, Follow Jamie because I promise you he has something for you. And honestly, even if you don't have kids, he still like has food. something for you. He loves I food. I like food. I'm a foodie. I love theater. <laughs> I love a horror movie. Um, and I'm vocal in other areas as well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you. I hope that you love this conversation as much as I did. I also hope that you don't mind me straying from my path to feature female founders because honestly, Jamie Grayson is one of the most incredible founders I know. Um, Really and truly, what you see is what you get with him. He shows up on his social media and that is how he is in real life and I can truly attest to that. I am so proud of him and I am so proud of the work that we did together for so long. 
Jamie had some incredible takeaways in today's episode, so please make sure you take out your pen and paper and write them down. Here they are. Number one, knowing your worth and what you can charge is the hardest part of owning your own business. You just have to take a guess. Number two, you have to know when you when you can ask for help. When you're overwhelmed, you have to find the right resources to help you. Number three, a rigid business plan can actually restrict you from trying new things. You have to try new things and see what sticks. Number four, put your personal relationships first. When you have amazing relationships with people, business contacts think of you first. Number five, relationships are so important. The business will come if you take the time up front to build the relationships. When you prove your worth, people want to work with you. Number six, use specific social media platforms for specific things and know what those things are and how to use them. Number seven, don't be afraid to fail. You'll mess up a lot. You don't know what you're always you don't always know what you're doing, and that's okay. Number eight, don't be afraid to ask for help. Even if it's not hiring an employee, surround yourself with supportive and smart people. Don't be afraid to ask them for help. Number nine, don't be afraid to adapt. You can't be set in your ways. We are well beyond that. I cannot thank you enough for being here and for joining us on today's episode of Dear Found Her. And I cannot thank Jamie Grayson enough for being here as well. A special thanks to those of you who have left a rating and review on the Apple podcast or Spotify podcast platforms. I recently received this awesome review, which is yet another pinch me moment from Samurai227, who said, Lindsay not only finds phenomenal women to interview, in this case, a man, but leaves listeners with tangible takeaways for becoming more successful in our ventures. I just listened to the Rebel Daughter Cookies episode and wow, not only do I need to go buy some of Anne's cookies immediately, but I'm inspired by her authenticity, drive to find what lights her fire and desire to make the world a better place. As a mom and an entrepreneur, I am most definitely subscribing to this podcast to hear more stories from other founders. Thank you so much, Samurai227. And if you like what you're hearing, please make sure to take out your phone, click that five-star rating and leave a review so that others can find us. I would so appreciate it. We have some incredible, incredible guests coming up. Please make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. When you do that, you'll get the automatic downloads every time we put up a new episode so you won't miss a thing. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Jamie or who has started a business or who has an idea for a business, please text them this episode or post it on your Instagram. Make sure to tag me. I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.